From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, combining PDT with triamcinolone. PDT leads not only to a thrombosis of the neovascularization, it also leads to increased inflammatory response which also leads to increased expression of vascular endothelial growth factor. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Offerman declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. In a moment, we'll hear from Dr. Offerman. But first, a question from a listener about part one of our series on IOL calculation after LASIK. Dr. Seth Meskin wrote by email, enjoyed the podcast. For Dr. Maskett's formula, if the patient's pre-op refraction had high cylinder, is the spherical equivalent used for the calculation? Did any of the patients studied have high cylinder, or were they mainly myopes and hypropes? Here is Dr. Maskett with his response. Hi, this is Dr. Samuel Maskett, and I'm replying to the question from Seth Meskin. Uh, He was concerned um, whether spherical equivalent is used for calculation of the uh, post-eczema laser photoablation IOL power regression formula. Um, An answer to your question said, yes, uh, spherical equivalent is used when there's a significant degree of cylinder because that does reflect total corneal ablation and hence the ability to read corneal curvature following surgery. So yes, the spherical equivalent is used. Thank you for your kind comment and for your interest in the subject. Photodynamic therapy, PDT, is a double-edged sword. On one hand, PDT can cause vaso-occlusion of neovascular vessels. On the other hand, PDT seems to elicit inflammation, which itself may produce an angiogenic response. It is for this reason that steroid therapy may be complementary to PDT, And it is on this subject that my guest today, Indra Offerman, has recently published. Dr. Offerman spoke to me from Karlsruhe, Germany. How does vertiporphin work? Vertiporphin is a treatment modality that produces selective non-thermal cytotoxicity through photothrombosis. The direct cell destruction is produced by the action of singlet oxygen over a very short period of several microseconds. It leads to vascular occlusion, which may be the primary mechanism of PDT cytotoxicity. It begins with destruction of endothelial cells by photosensitive singlet oxygen, and then a cascade of events follows. 
leading to the amplification of bladderlet activation, thrombosis, vasoconstriction, and increased vascular permeability. That all leads to tissue hypoxia and inflammatory response. Why does vertiporphyrin not lead to occlusion of normal capillaries in the retina? That's because vertiporphyrin is activated by light and then docks to the LDL receptors, which are especially in the choroidal neovascular hydrocytization endothelial cells. So they dock to the cells, to these endothelial cells, make a destruction of the cells, and then a cascade of mechanism is following, which leads to a thrombosis of this pathogenic vascular um, tissue. And it's mediated through the production of free radicals. Yes. For which patients is vertiporphyrin appropriate? It is approved for patients with a wet AMD and especially, and especially with predominantly classic CNV subfovial located. What are the disadvantages of vertiporphyrin as monotherapy? Well, um, PVT, as I said, leads not only to a thrombosis of the pathogenic neovascularization, it also leads to an increased inflammatory response, which also leads to an increased expression of vascular endothelial growth factor. And that, WETCH-F, is a very important factor which leads on its own to a choroidal neovascularization. That means that the TAP and the WIP trial demonstrate persistent and recurrent neovascularization, which may require frequent retreatments. Results on the TAP and WIP study show that eyes receiving PDT required an average of 5.6 treatments over a 24-month period to achieve persistency in the closure. And there are several hypotheses for the persistence of CNV and the need of retreatments after PDT as monotherapy. PDT uses a photodynamic reaction type 2 and leads to an oxidative stress to the underlying tissue and inflammatory reactions which results in an enhanced infiltration of lycocytes and an increased expression of a wedge F. That's what I was going to ask next. If vertiporphyrin achieves its effect through vascular occlusion and through an inflammatory mechanism, to what extent does vertiporphyrin elicit the increased production of VEGF? It is shown that after PDT, it is measurable, that means detectable, that there is a increased VEGF expression in the retina and also in the vitreous. So that means the PDT could work against itself. And so that on one side, PDT leads to a photo-occlusion of the CNV, but on the other side, it makes an increase of expression of inflammatory metabolites as well as an increased expression of WHF. What we're going to be talking about later is combination therapy of vertiporphyrin and steroids. But before we get to that, let me ask you about steroids as monotherapy. When steroids are used as monotherapy, how do they work? Steroids produce an anti-inflammatory mechanism. They produce anti-angiogenic and anti-permeability effects. 
they all can contribute to a stabilization of the blood retinal barrier. So a lot of, of studies try to show that an intravitreal steroid injection, and especially triamcinolone, can reduce macular edema, can reduce inflammation, but these results were not very stable. What role can steroids serve in the context of PDT? The idea is to inhibit the side effects of the PDT, which means um, to inject 18 hours after PDT, inject a steroid to prevent the secondary effect of the PDT, which means the inflammatory response. So the idea is that the PDT would affect the vascular occlusion, which is the main mode of therapy, and that the steroids would temper some of the inflammation and to some extent may counteract the effect of the increased expression of VEGF. Yes. Prior to your study, was there evidence that vertiporphyrin in combination with triamcinolone was effective in treating neovascularization? There existed some studies. They were small studies. Um, the first one I read about was um, from the year 2003. And in my mind, I have three to five papers which reported about a combination of PDT with vertiporphyrin. But these were small studies, monocenter studies, often retrospective. So we have a need for, uh, for bigger studies, for uh, great studies just to to make sure that our thesis that a combination of PDT with vertiprofene is able to reduce the required retreatment and maybe is able to increase uh, visual acuity. Can I have you describe the design of your study? We started a prospective study with uh, patients with wet AMD. There were 184 patients we included all lesion types from 0 to 100% classic, and we also include um, juxta and extrafoveal lesions. Um, they underwent a normal ophthalmology examination. Mm, they get a fluorescein angiogram, and we treated them with a standardized PDT with retoprofene. And 18 hours after the PDT, the patients got an intravitreal injection of 25 milligram triamcinolone. Can I have you describe your injection technique? The, the patients were treated in the operation theater. They got a retrobulbar anesthesia and uh, via a 27-gauge cannula, they got their intravitreal injection of the triamcinolone. It was uh, 0.2 milliliter. How was the triamcinolone prepared? It was washed out. In our hospital pharmacy, it was washed. So we got a solution which was conservative-free and alcohol-free. Did you do the washing? Can you uh, describe how that's done? I never did the washing, excuse me. Um, in fact, these are our um, uh, specialists in the pharmacy. The triamcinolone preparation was the same as that described by Yost Jonas? Yes. What was the triamcinolone dose? It's 
25 milligrams. Now, that's 25 milligrams before washing, or is it your estimation that 25 milligrams represents the administered dose? That's not very easy to, to answer. In fact, we started, well, our hospital um, has quite a lot of experience uh, with injection, with injecting triamcinolone. We, uh, and in fact, with the, with the combination therapy. But all our first cases are, of course, not included in this study here. When we started, it was in the year 2000 or 2001. We said that the concentration we gave in the eye is, is exactly that what we said. Uh, we, we started some, some small trials of measurement of the triamcin alone and we, we thought that we were injecting exactly 25 milligrams. Now we are not sure anymore. I think we are about um, 20 milligrams. But it's, it's very hard. We, um, at these patients... We made 25 milligrams, so we, we wrote it like that. So it, they have they had been 25 milligrams. And with increasing the concentration of triamcinolone, you got, of course, an increase of the adverse effect of a steroid-induced glaucoma. These are our uh, results. Plus, the duration of effect seems to be longer with a larger dose. What were the results of your study? We could decrease the required um, numbers of retreatment. Our mean number of, co of combination therapy was 1.2. As opposed to, what was it once more with vertiporphyrin as monotherapy? It's uh, 5.6 over a period of 24 months. Did the effect of the treatment vary by lesion type? No. We made, really, a lot of um, sub-analyses, and all of them were consistent that we had nearly most, no, nearly always a significant uh, increase of visual acuity. There were some subgroups where it was not significant, but I think it was because of the small number of patients. In subgroups, then. Jonas published a paper examining the association between intravitreal triamcinolone and elevated intraocular pressures. And the overwhelming number of patients had elevated intraocular pressures. How did your patients do with regard to IOP? Of course, we had the side effect of steroid induced glaucoma. In our population, uh, there were two patients who needed a cyclodestructive therapy. And we had, that means, I think that's, that's about, yeah, 1%. And about 18% needed topical medication to control the IOP. And so the majority of your patients did not even need topical therapy to control their intraocular pressures? If 80% are the majority, then yes. So these, these results are consistent with the other um, smaller studies. They all had about, and of course it depends on the concentration of triamcinolone you inject, but they all had about um, 15 to 25 percent IOP increase. Now, when you say the smaller studies, what you're talking about are the previous studies that have looked at combination therapy of vertiporphyrin and triamcinolone. Yes, you can also look at the at studies with the triamcinolone intravitreally injected. Yeah, but the previous studies with vertiporphyrin and triamcinolone were using a much lower dose of triamcinolone, right? Weren't most of them using four milligrams? Well, 
We started with four milligrams in the year 2000, and then we had rarely uh, an elevated IOP. Now, when when we are um, uh, increasing the concentration, the elevated IOP um, appears more often, and we are at about 18% to 25% of our of our patients. What was the duration of your follow-up? In this case, it was a mean of 43 weeks. That uh, It means a median of 38 weeks. How did patients do in terms of complications? Of course, we, we could detect a higher cataract progression, and we made a cataract surgery in, in a lot of patients of our group. But in fact, we could not see any kind of endocomitis in our patients. There were really none. And we think it, it could be because of, of our washing procedure, because we have no conservatives and no alcohol anymore in the solution of triamcinolone. What do you think the duration of action is of the triamcinolone in these patients? It is still, I think, for minimum four to six weeks, it is still intravitreally the triamcinolone. And for that period, it can work. What do you do in your own practice when patients with choroidal neovascularization come in? Do you offer all of them this therapy? Do you do any more uh, vertiporphyrin monotherapy? In fact, we practice the PDT as a monotherapy uh, not very often anymore because uh, there are not uh, many patients with the exact approved lesion types for PDT as monotherapy. There are a few patients with a predominantly classic um, lesion which is located at subfoveal. I, I think... The, the the combination of PDT with triamcinolone maybe is not the very, very best way to treat patients, especially with a side effect of elevated IOP. But I think it's, the results of this study shows that in any kind, and maybe in combination of uh, steroid with PDT, there is a possibility to decrease the number of retreatments and maybe we can come to an increase of the visual acuity. I think that is the, the most important result of, of this study. Dr. Offerman, thank you very much. I thank you very much. Tschüss. <laughs> oh, tschüss, yeah. Indra Offerman is an ophthalmologist in the Department of Ophthalmology at the Klinikum Karlsruhe in Karlsruhe, Germany. Her paper Vertiporphyrin therapy combined with intravitreal triamcinolone in all types of choroidal neovascularization due to age-related macular degeneration appears in the January 2006 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Offerman or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. 
As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.